0: Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We're back with new episodes in 2017, telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics across the world. I'm your host, Rob Howe, and if you'd like to get involved with Diabetics Doing Things, all you have to do is shoot me an email or reach out via Instagram. Hey, everyone. Before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. We had a great first year of the podcast, but none of it would have been possible without you and your support. I love getting messages, emails, and comments from type 1 diabetics all over the world. It really makes my day, so keep sharing, searching, and commenting, and I'll keep tracking down the people behind the amazing type 1 stories out there. Now let's get back to the episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We're back with more episodes in 2017. Today, my special guest is Barbara gruel and her story uh, is especially compelling, and I can't wait to get into it. Barbara, thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> so, uh, Barbara, you, uh, you found me through Instagram, I believe, uh, through the Medtronic takeover earlier this week. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, um, my name is Barbara. Um, I come from Germany, from Bavaria, um, more specifically. Um, and I just recently moved to Minnesota um, last year in August because I got married to my husband, who uh, goes to medical school here.
0: Well, fantastic! We're always uh, always glad to add another member of the type one diabetic family to the U.S. So, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I think you know we're going to talk a lot about um, transitioning from from a healthcare perspective coming from Germany to the U.S. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your story uh, as a type 1 diabetic, uh, you know, diagnosis and uh, and everything else around that.
1: Sure. Um, well, I got diagnosed in February of 2009. Um, I had just started my first semester um, um, going to college for English and Spanish to, st- to, te- to study English and Spanish. And... Um, I had just been my in my first or I believe second week of semester break, and that is when kind of it all started <laughs> with with the diagnosis where I went to the doctor and yeah, and it all went from there.
0: <laughs> so tell uh, tell me a little bit about that experience. I mean, obviously you were um, you know away at college and so um, a little bit older than um, you know away from home and everything, what uh, what was that like? Um, what were you, you know, did you, obviously went through the, the usual symptoms, but, um, you know, socially, what was that like with your friends and um, and your classmates and things like that?
1: Yeah, um, so it's been a little, it's kind of been hard because I, while well, I come from a very small town in Bavaria, and so I moved about two hours away to Bamberg, Germany, to study, Um, And my first semester has been pretty hard because, while adjusting to everything, to studying and um, I just also felt very exhausted all the time. And I just thought that's probably because I study all the time now and I just didn't have that many friends yet. The first semester is just always kind of hard getting to know people first and so... It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge, definitely.
0: <laughs> well, and I, and I think that's something that uh, often goes overlooked um, in a diagnosis is socially uh, the response. and And, like you said, your first semester away at uh, at college is always challenging and and new and exciting in its own way. and then throwing a diagnosis in there, um, just that's a lot of emotional uh, and physiological uh, and just new experiences all at once.
1: Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: So from there, um, you know now uh, we fast forward a few years um, and uh, you're here in the US and I know that you are have a specific story that you are telling uh, you know of what it's like to be a type 1 diabetic coming to the US uh, from Europe. Tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, so um, I got diagnosed in uh, spring of 2009 and my dream has always been to study abroad in the US for a year um, and that was kind of why I got into studying English in the first place. Um, So that was very devastating for me to find out I have such a disease, a chronic illness and I just thought things aren't possible anymore and I can't possibly go abroad anymore with this. Um, So, But that's at the same time kind of what got me through the first half year with this disease because I just thought I have something to work work towards now. And so, um, yeah, I applied for the scholarship to come to the U.S. for a year, and I actually got it. Um, So I was able to study in in Minnesota at Concordia College um, 2010 to 2011, Um, and that's also where I met my now husband.
0: Oh, that's fantastic, and what a cool story, you know, uh, working and overcoming that adversity to get to the U.S., and then uh, and then meeting your husband, and now you're here full-time, so you're on, like, a, you're a permanent study abroad now, right?
1: Yes, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I, I now finished my, well, in Germany two years ago, I finished my studies with a bachelor's degree and kind of a equivalent to a master's degree in those two languages, um, and so now I'm basically a teacher, and I'm still, well, I'm hoping to teach here, too. We're still waiting for paperwork to go through, but that's the hope. (laughs) That's
0: fantastic, Uh, and congratulations, by the way. Um, That's a a tremendous accomplishment in a very short amount of time. Um, So, you said that you had come to the U.S. for the first time on that study abroad program in 2010? Yes. So, roughly Mm -hmm. a year, not even really a full year with type 1 diabetes, and you already had uh, overcome that first obstacle to get to the U.S.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, what was that like? What did you have to do, and and uh, you know, as you were learning about uh, your new life with type one, um, talk a little bit about that process and kind of uh, how you got to you went or went from diagnosis to you know being comfortable enough to travel for a long period of time uh, in that short amount of time.
1: Well, I have to mention that I had the great um, it, it was it was really great. I found a very good endocrinologist where close to where I live um, and a very great um, nurse as well or specialist with diabetes and with their help, they kind of supported me with everything and I told them right away that I was hoping to, uh, go study abroad and I'm applying for this, but I was at the same time very hesitant because I thought, I'm just, not, I'm just not sure if that will work, if I can go overseas with this. And I just I was very insecure. And I was happy to have someone who actually told me and my endocrinologist who just supported me and said, absolutely, Barbara, you can do whatever you want to do and this shouldn't keep you from, from, from doing that. So that's kind of what, what got me through the first couple of months.
0: And I want to focus on that for a second because that is such an essential piece of being successful as a type one diabetic. Uh, mm-hmm. Not, not everybody has that supportive uh, environment from their doctor or from their family um, I was very fortunate, um, and I talk about this a lot. But uh, Children's Medical Center in Dallas is one of the best hospitals, one of the best pediatric hospitals uh, in the world, and that's where I was diagnosed. And I and so I had a amazing experience, and my doctors were all uh, so encouraging. And I'm really glad that you have a that you found a doctor that also was supportive of your dreams and was like, "Hey, we're going to make this happen." Uh, because a lot of people don't have that opportunity or that, you know, they're in an area that doesn't have, uh, very many endocrinologists to choose from or a very rural area. Um, what were those conversations like with your doctor initially? And you said, and I think we should focus on, you know, you were hesitant to ask because, Mm -hmm. uh, you weren't, you weren't sure that it was going to be possible.
1: Yes. Um, exactly. Um, I also um, should probably add, um, so when I was first diagnosed, my family doctor, um, where my my family still lives now, um, was out of town on vacation, so I had to go to another doctor, um, and he kind of uh, told me about what was going on. I had a blood sugar of, I think, I believe over 700, Um, so... And I had probably been with that blood sugar for many, many months. And so he made sure that I um, was able to go to a diabetes hospital. Um, it's in Badmattentheim in Germany. Um, and they I, I stayed there in the ICU for um, a day. And then afterwards um, for two weeks there to kind of get adjusted to everything. And they um, they kind of forwarded me to my then endocrinologist so yeah they really helped me connect to to her my doctor and uh
0: and, and that hospital uh that is specifically focused uh for diabetes
1: yes mm-hmm.
0: and is so- that is that fairly common uh, in europe
1: um I'm not sure about Europe, but in Germany, it is. There are a couple major, big um, hospitals that spe- um, specialise in type one diabetes and children, um, where pregnant women can go with type one diabetes um, or other um, issues um, concerning diabetes. And it's a it's a great place to kind of not get to know other people with diabetes and. Be able to talk with them about it and hear their stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that is uh, that is fantastic, and I think uh, again, just like having that extra focus and support uh, to go through those issues uh, that you know, just regular medical concerns that um, when you have type one uh, can be a little bit more challenging. And I, we've I've I've done episodes with uh, with mothers and and they they've talked about their um their journey through uh, pregnancy with type 1 that's so that's very good i'm I'm really glad that uh, and it's great to learn about other countries that uh, really offer those resources for type ones because uh, sometimes in the u.s it's not not necessarily an area of focus
1: yeah um yeah and i'm especially thankful um that they were able to find a great endocrinologist and be able to recommend someone to me lived close to where where i was at that time so i just kind of it just felt it just felt right and i felt like i was in good hands because i'm i'm very much a perfectionist <laughs> and it was it's just kind of a struggle to get to know um what you're supposed to do um what things like what a1c would be the good the best for me and so for me it's just important to have someone who also looks a little bit closer <laughs> not just the numbers but also um yeah if if i'm happy with that or yeah things like that
0: and you bring up a good point i think it's diabetes is so much more than just the numbers um and like you said you got to make sure that your life balance is is in is is where you want it to be um i want to talk a little bit about as you trans- transitioned literally transitioned over to the united states um and, you know, leaving your endocrinologist behind in Germany and then coming over to the U.S. Uh, and sort of experiencing a whole new uh, healthcare care uh, and practice and maybe uh, getting introduced to a new doctor. Uh, what was that process like for you?
1: Well, in 20, oh, uh, 2010, when I first went over here, um, it was all very, very exciting. I mean, I didn't know at all what was going to happen and... Um, my, my doctor made sure that I was able to bring all the supplies that I needed for the year, um, from Germany to the U S which was a big, big help. And I'm still very thankful because it's just been, it's been very complicated and getting everything figured out. Um, so yeah, and she made sure I have everything that I could possibly need. And back at Concordia college, I had a great nurse and she made sure she, looked at my A1C regularly, and she talked to me if there's any concerns, anything that I would want to talk about. Um, Yeah, I I felt in good hands. But at the same time, I really miss my my endocrinologist back home. It's just kind of a, I feel like if you have a great doctor, it's not not easy to let go. (laughs)
0: It really isn't. Uh, and, you know, that's they always say that there's never a great time to take a great risk. Right. So, uh, you know, you have to leave uh, leave some of that comfort zone behind and, um, you know, props to you for having the, the courage to do that.
1: Yeah. Thanks.
0: So. Um, so as you're adjusting uh, to life in the U.S. and, uh, you know, you, you said that you've been here about six months or so, you um, how uh you know what do you, what are you hopeful for what are you looking forward to how uh tell me more about your uh about your your journey here and and trying to uh, educate diabetics uh, about the about the journey uh to the us
1: mm-hmm. um so yeah um last year in well my my husband my now husband and I were in a long distance relationship for about five years after my study abroad um and That hasn't always been easy, but then last year in August we got married and I moved here permanently for now. Um, And my hope is just to get even more comfortable. I feel like the past five months I've already been able to settle down and I now have a good endocrinologist here in the cities. And I feel like I'm in good hands. Um, I just... It's just—it's still a bit different. I feel like life here is different from life in Germany. So there's just small things that I still need to figure out, and I feel like once I figure those out, um, I'll be able to to do even better with my with my diabetes.
0: What would you say is the biggest difference between uh, the U.S. and Germany as it relates to diabetes or you know healthcare? For you, what has been the biggest difference for you?
1: Yeah, sure. So in in Germany, um, I was very lucky because we have um, health care so that basically everything is free. So you only have to pay about 10 euro to get insulin and then you just get the pump supplies for free and insulin for free and the, the pump for free. And just it's just all it's very different coming here and learning that. Um, different health insurances cover different um, insulin types and different lancets and different whatever you can think of Um, and it's been it's been quite a challenge um, getting through that uh, jungle of of things that I really didn't know at first at all Um, and so that has been the greatest challenge I think to figure out how to be able to to afford insulin here, for example, or to afford the pump supplies, which has been a challenge itself because we, um, I have a Medtronic pump from Germany and it turned out that I need, um, for liability reasons, I needed an American pump to receive pump supplies. (laughs) So it's just been a little bit challenging at times.
0: And it's one of those things where you sort of don't know what you don't know. Um right so and when you come when you come over here you're like yeah I have everything I need and then uh, it sort of all changes. Yes. Um I I find it fascinating to learn about um you know different coverage uh, all over the world for diabetes because um it sort of makes me wonder <laughs> there's so many different hoops to jump through for the US that we don't really have even close to the best coverage for uh, especially for type 1 diabetes. Um, the UK and Germany, especially, uh, in Australia as well. Um, man, they just have great, uh, great coverage for, for diabetes and, and great awareness. I think in their you know, in their legislation in the US, it's just not it's the total opposite. We just don't know. We don't have really anything. It's, it's awful.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but however, there's a great organization, uh, based out of the UK called T1 International. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if you've had any connections with them, but um, they're doing a great job uh, fighting for insulin reform specifically. Oh. So across the world, um, you know, some of our diabetic brothers and sisters in, um, in countries like Syria uh, and Ethiopia and Kenya, I think they do a great job of spreading awareness of, you know, that they need our help uh, and that they need insulin. Uh, and they have a hashtag. It's like hashtag insulin for all. Um, mm-hmm. And they do an awesome job raising awareness for uh, you know the, the fight across uh, the fight uh, against type 1 diabetes across the world. Um, mm-hmm. And you know so in the US my you know my big challenges are that sometimes my prescriptions get delayed at my pharmacy, but in mm-hmm. you know, Syria and Ethiopia, people have to literally hike for miles and, uh, and their insulin is expired and they don't have the resources that we have here yep. uh, in the US. So it really makes you know, uh, I say that the U.S. is—it's uh, you know tough from a healthcare coverage perspective, but you know I don't really even know the half of what a real struggle is across the world.
1: Definitely, definitely, and I'm just also, yeah, it, it, it breaks my heart thinking of of all the, the the people that don't even have, as you said, the the possibility to even reach um, insulin or very uh, those life saving things. So it's. Yeah, I just I try to remind myself of that every day too. Yeah.
0: Definitely. So uh, I wanna I wanna do some uh, some fun kind of quick fire questions uh, for you real quick. Um, so starting with you know when you travel and and I've been fortunate to travel. Um, pretty extensively uh when you when you leave uh, what do you always carry with you what are you what do you make sure that you have either when you're leaving the house for the day or going to the gym or uh get, getting on a plane to go overseas what are uh, what are your big checklist options
1: um so my number one checklist option is definitely my pump my insulin pumps i carry that with me everywhere i go obviously um other than that i too often forgot forget my um meter for some reason i just always find myself going out and about and not having my meter with me so i really have to get better at that um other than that when i travel always something to eat um always something like fast acting sugar and glucose whatever and yeah things like that passport obviously (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, I, I think, and it's I think it's interesting to see sort of what everybody uh, brings and 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 how they approach uh, either their day to day or when they're traveling. Uh, yeah, because I I had a low blood sugar. I, I always bring like a like a Lara bars. I don't know if you have the uh, if you've had those, but I love Lara bars uh, to treat my lows. And so I always have like two or three of them in my bag when I go on an overseas flight because you never know you might have a low blood sugar in the middle of the night and. Uh, yeah. you know the flight attendant is uh, is asleep or something or is not available, yes. so you, you got to have got to be able to treat your low on your own.
1: Yes, and it's such a challenge. I feel like it's always I've I've been I've flown so much now the past years um, between um, the U.S. and Germany, and it just never gets boring traveling with it, with diabetes. I feel like it's just always. Um, interesting as to what you get there on the plane, what you can eat, and what what they have, what they offer to eat, and then how how excited you are. That kind of influences your blood sugars again, and um, yeah, how you're able to sleep on the plane, things like that. It's always it never gets boring.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's never a dull moment with type one. That's for sure. <laughs> um, let's see. Do you have any uh, any Sort of crazy stories or fun stories about uh, you know highs or lows in in uh, in strange places or at inopportune times.
1: Mm-hmm. I have to think. So I've never really had a very um, dramatic low, thank God. Um, yeah, which is great. Yeah, um, but I mean, I had I had lows and highs and in moments where I shouldn't have had them. For example, at the airport, um, once I go through. Security and things take a long, long time, and I have a low, and I don't have anything, and it's just kind of exciting enough. And then you have all those um, security guards around you, and you have to explain what the insulin pump is, and that you don't want to, that you just want to keep it on, and yeah. So that I feel that has happened twice, and yeah. But but other than that, um, no, not really. <laughs>
0: No, oh, well, that's good. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, want to make sure that, uh, you know, we stay in balance and, uh, you know, and really, you know, it's only been um, almost not even really eight years for you. What, what was the date of your diagnosis?
1: The 18th of February.
0: Okay, oh, so you're coming up on your anniversary. You're uh, about yes. to be about to be eight years. Uh, congratulations.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh,
0: yeah, I just celebrated my 12 year Uh uh, in, uh, on January 1st. So new year's day is my, is my, uh, anniversary.
1: That's exciting.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like happy new year, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: this is a, this is my favorite question. I always, I always like to ask, um, my guests and, uh, that is if, if you had to tell, if you could tell one thing to someone who was recently diagnosed with diabetes or was struggling with their type one, um, what's the one thing that you would tell them?
1: Um, I would say um, to hold on and keep going. Things will eventually get better. Um, I always remember the the first night in the hospital, in the diabetes hospital, in the ICU, and I just felt completely devastated, and I just didn't even know what was happening. I've never heard of that disease before. No one in my family has it, and I was just laying there, and I... I couldn't even wrap my head around it, but then there was this um, very this young doctor, and he, throughout the night, he came, and he said, so, later, when once I have time, I'll come, and I'll talk you through it, and I'll explain everything to you, don't be afraid, it'll get better, and he just, he was so busy, there was so much going on that night, so he couldn't really make it all night through, and so... At five in the morning, he finally came. He sat next to me and he talked me through it. He explained what exactly was happening and he answered my questions in the middle of the night. And he just also told me that it will get better. And yeah, and just to keep going and not give up. And I feel, I feel like that's the most important advice that I would give.
0: I oh, totally agree. And, and, uh, and thank you so much for sharing. And uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on uh, coming on the show and, and for reaching out. I um you know I know you're uh, relatively just getting your journey started here in the U.S. Um, but uh, we're happy to uh, to be a part of that journey, and really can't wait to uh, you know to see you know where we are in uh, a year and five years from now, and, and and on from there.
1: Yes, thank you so much for having me.
0: And uh, Barbara, if, uh, if our guests want to connect with you on social media or online, uh, where can they find you?
1: Um, they can find me on Instagram and on Facebook, um, Sweethearts for Diabetes. Um, I also have my own website, the same name, Sweethearts for Diabetes, where I talk about my life with diabetes here, um, how it affects my everyday, um, yeah, just um, everyday tips that I can share with, with other people.
0: Well, fantastic. And uh, and obviously when we release the episode, we'll tag Sweethearts for Diabetes. Um, but thank you so much for all the work that you're doing here and, and, um, and all the great positive energy that you put out. And um, I'm really glad that we were able to connect.
1: Yeah, thank you. I'm very glad as well.
0: Thanks for listening to Diabetics Doing Things. Subscribe to our newsletter for weekly emails and behind-the-scenes content. And if you or someone you know has an amazing story to share, send an email to rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com.